Studies say that up to 65 to 80 percent of people who grow up in the church drop out of church when they become college-aged. It's not intentional, it just happens. But why is this happening? And what can we do as parents, grandparents, pastors, and youth workers to be sure our kids get plugged into a campus fellowship group and church when they arrive on the college campus? We'll be talking to the founder of the College Church Connection Service about steps to take to make it easy to find Christian community right away, along with a whole lot more on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Well, once again, welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, and my able-bodied, able-minded co-host, as always, Jason Soshinik, the most Good curious man, the most curious man alive from Spokane, Washington. Title. I like that. Yeah, yes, well, you're curious. We know, you I preface am. a lot of I your am. questions in I an do. effort to satisfy your curiosity. And I do the same thing I from do. time to time, but you beat me at that, so that's why you're, well, I'm the second most. you're right. Well, I think you you got it. Well, I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so we all have our we yeah. all have our little ticks. We all have our little yeah. things that we say. I you know, it. when somebody stumbles around like that when we start, it's either because you have something you want to say that you know you can't, or you don't have anything to say at all. Well, and I'm afraid it was the first leave one. It there. Yeah, that's what? what I'm thinking. I'm afraid it was the first one that you had something to say. <laughs> no, I'm mimicking what you. Hey, I say or, I'm curious. You say well a lot. Oh, okay, I got it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were we were talking about our little things. That's that's fine. That's okay. All right. Well, we'll just have to I'll, see where that I goes. I won't bring anything right. up again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious. Do you guys have a question? I sure do. We sure do. All right, here we go. Well. Have you recently received anything in the mail that you would be embarrassed to admit? <laughs> I seem that seems to be okay. a question pointed directly at Walt. Yeah, but I brought we'll something in out. today. You know what? You need to go get that. Kenton, can you go grab that? Go grab that thing because I don't want to misquote anything. But let's hear from you while he's out grabbing this thing. I brought it grabbing. in to show them. Yeah, grabbing what I got in the mail. He's going to get it. It's sitting out in the office. He's going to bring it back, and I'll tell you about it. But what did you get, Jason? <laughs> that I was embarrassed to receive? Yeah. I, uh, I, that's such a difficult question because I, I, I really – most of the mail that I receive, it's because I either ordered something that I wanted or people are sending me things that I need. Uh, most embarrassing item I've received in the mail. That's, that's a really good question. How about you answer yours, and then I... Well, I, I don't know if this mine. is embarrassing. It was more like, what am I getting this for? Oh, I, this... Could, I, I could explain oh, please. why. <laughs> well, I... Oh, wait, wait. Is, I, I have it's a guess, but please So go. I'm going to show it to you, uh, and people yeah. can't see it, but you, we can see each other. So I yeah. got this beautiful purple thing on one side it's got my name and address and a return address it doesn't say it says where it says it's from back, but not who it's from on. you know on the back yeah. it's folded nicely it looks like an invitation doesn't it a total of it looks like, like a great invitation it looks like i'm going to get it's invited a, to come to disney for nothing i i, I yeah well, I, I actually love the way that that's set up it, it yeah. makes me want to open that card because and it, it says, says dream, dream on, on so like, so i'm like well okay i'm dreaming and it says, dream on over a picture of the moon, so it's nighttime. But I, I lift the tab with the gold, what do you call that, seal, and I open up yeah. this trifold thing, and <laughs> do you see that? It's a $2. Zero leaks. Yeah, it's a $2 <laughs> Is that off for coupon. diapers? Yeah, for an overnight underwear product. <laughs> <laughs> for senior so, so the adults. dreaming wait so the dreaming is more about being able to sleep through and have dreams because you don't wet the bed yeah is that what it is yeah let's not get too specific here but it's I'm a just generational saying, this is just 
and I and I said to the guys when I brought this. Wait, in, does that mean that you're entering into a new phase? I'm 60 years old. Why did I get on this? Why did I get on this mailing list? I turned 60 last summer, and you know I was insulted when oh. I started to get the scooter ads. Now I'm getting this, and and I've asked for none of it. I think. I think our listeners need to send diapers to the CPU no, 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 office. No, 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 no. Hey, by the way, <laughs> yeah. if you do send newborn diapers, because we do have a, a, a grand, you know, a new granddaughter. So if you send them, we'll use. You're them. not going to fit in those. Yeah, You're not no, it's not for me. I, what did you get? What have you gotten in the mail that oh, man, you've I, been curious man, I don't about? Know if it, can you beat I, this? I don't. I don't know if there's anything that I can uh, share that would beat receiving an invitation to buy diapers. <laughs> I don't even think I've gotten anything like that for our newborns or our children. Gosh, the most embarrassing thing that I've gotten in the mail. Oh my I'll goodness. tell you what, let's if you don't have an answer, let's just ask people to go to work and try to give you an answer. So we'll put your address, you know, for Project Six Nineteen up on the no. podcast site. No, we're not going to do that. I don't. I don't need to late. have a challenge. Too late. To see if I can beat what you too got. Too late. We've got a lot of youth workers <laughs> listening. Go to work, folks. We know that they'll <laughs> do a good job. Send it to Jason Soshinik, Project Six Nineteen, and then further down the road, we'll we'll find out what you've been getting in the mail. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. It. it uh, I've had friends that have messed with me a little bit because of the work I do, but I just don't think it's appropriate for this podcast. All right. So well, we'll let people do think... youth workers. They're, they know how to. They know how to keep it in the borders and boundaries, and you know we'll see what you get. I will. And you don't have a pet. You don't have a pet yet, do you? Do you have any live? Pets? I don't. And, okay. And, right. Well, uh, maybe we can change yeah. that. No, I do not want to. Trust me. If you send a pet my way, it might end up staying at the office and get lost. But um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, that here I, I don't know if it's the most embarrassing, but the thing that's most annoying is it seems like every single day, if not every other day, I'm either receiving something from uh, the cable company uh, asking me to sign up for some sort of business thing, internet, all that stuff, and it's like the same mailer every other day, and I think, man, how many trees are you killing? And then. Uh, the other one that I receive, especially uh, uh, having done a lot of youth work and events, um, is Oriental Trading Company. I don't know if oh, anyone yeah, that else little gets catalog. Those, yeah, we I, get those. Oh man, it's great stuff I get, in there. I get I, oh, it's it, but it's so annoying. You only need it like once a year, if that, and they receive you receive a catalog. I I think I receive two a month, and they just get trashed because I I have no need for for any of the stuff that's in there except for once or twice a year. Like so, key, and for those who don't know what that is, like keychains, little logo yes. items, travel you know, mugs, party favors, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. Okay. You guys uh, do you have anything quick off the top of your head or Uh no, I just basically wanted to set you up with that. Yeah, question. well, that was good. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. And that that just from now on, I won't do anything out of the ordinary on podcast days when we're recording. I <laughs> oh, will just come in quietly. You think I don't keep a file? I okay. I'll just come in quietly and go to work and we'll come back here and record. So we must say we have some great listeners because uh, when we had the conversation prior to the holidays around fruitcake, yeah, we did get you actually received cake, some yeah. in the mail. Yeah, we so got that's why I'm cake. I'm actually very I'm very uh, uh, concerned about your address yeah. to our listeners and having them send gifts our way because I don't, yep, I don't and really want to. Shout out to our friend Mike McGarry, who was the guy who took yeah. the challenge first. So that's right, and, and it was, was good. We shared it. Chris, you actually tried the fruitcake, did didn't you? Yep. What did you think? Uh, it was not my favorite fruitcake. But you were okay. You had a smile yeah, I, on your face. Yeah, I, I, I went back for a second piece, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple days later. You did go back for a second. Yep. I was not yeah, here. Yeah, but Chris, was... there, there's a whole other conversation in this because I've seen what you bring into the office yeah. to eat sometimes. <laughs> That's so, true. That's fruitcake, true. Chris, fruitcake actually might be really, really high on the list of things that I've seen you eat that's I, actually this, yeah, appetizing. The, the reality is I'll go back for a third piece two years later. That's just... what I was going to say. That's exactly what he'll do. It's probably still back there in the refrigerator, in the refrigerator with various other items, some – Remember that time you pulled something out and you said, I have no idea what this is, but it appears that I brought it. 
Yes. And it had been in there for a while. So. I probably still ate it, too. Well, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We couldn't figure out what it was. We just kept staring at it. So, and the, wow. the Chris, refrigerator's there tight. Than a so, dog. We don't know if it was an animal, we don't even know how it got in there. But That is awesome. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, yeah. let's talk about youth culture here. Yeah, I'm really Before curious we about youth culture, so let's do that. We're going to have a great conversation after we do this <laughs> about uh, yes. connecting our high school students, our kids, graduating seniors with campus ministries when they when they go away to college. But before that, let's talk about some of the things that we're aware of that are happening in youth culture. What do you got, Jason? Yeah, well, the first thing that, I, that I'll start with is just keeping an eye on texting, uh, knowing the secret lingo that your sons and daughters have when they're sharing through text. What we're seeing is more and more teens sharing sexually explicit images. We've talked about this. We're aware of this. If you're in youth ministry, if you have a teenage son or daughter, you've probably heard about sexting. But it does seem like the trend uh, of sending sexually explicit material is continuing to increase. And there's a lot of consequence related to the serious consequences. In fact, many uh, school districts around the country are now actually conducting classes on the dangers of sharing these pictures or in these images uh, because it, it can be labeled child pornography. Students are also learning about harassment, cyberbullying, extortion, blackmail, which blows my mind because that was just never a part of the conversation when I was in high school, which is in the 90s, and I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a part of the conversation when you were in high school. So the, the world has drastically changed for many of these students. And so we're need, seeing a greater need for education around uh, best practices on the phone. And, and I, I really applaud school districts for stepping up and, and doing this. Uh, I do think, though, that churches, we need to do a better job as well in educating our youth. I, I, I've come across many youth workers, youth pastors that have um, spent the first part of the school year actually addressing this. They, they make sure that it's a part of their uh, value system. They want to be very careful and, and, and even creative with the way in which they discuss this, but they want, they want their students to know this has serious consequences. It can, it can actually have a, a great deal of uh, impact later in life, not just now, but also later in life, because once the images are out there, you don't quite know where they're going to end up, so you have to be really careful with it. One of the things you can do is being aware of secret codes, so being aware of the things that are on your sons and daughters' uh, phones, how they're sending them, what they're saying, there uh, is going to be a link that we'll put up on the website. But being aware of that can be really helpful. And the other thing, just really quick, is just remembering that talking about this is one of the best things that you can do. Having the conversations uh, in your youth group and at home can be really powerful. Yeah, we'll have a link to a handout that we have that we update that's on our Digital Kids Initiative site with, with text acronyms. So I know we've been working on that. Uh, by the way, I, did you say at the beginning you were to stay within the two minutes? You were and do a good job of doing that, this two-minute Yeah, two minute 205, drill. but yeah. let's see how well yeah. you do. Yeah, all right. Go well, here we go. I've already wasted some of my time. But real quick, hey, uh, Kenton told me about something that's going on in the world of youth culture I'd not been aware of the other day. He came in, so I researched it a little more. Have you ever heard the term biohacker? Do you know what a biohacker is? You know, I have you know, heard of the term, yeah. and if you give me enough time, I can yeah, probably well, about I mean, it, but it's I don't basically it about human biology or biology and then hacking like we hack into things yeah. with computers and change things. So there's this new trend now where there's this army of young biohackers who are looking at ways to optimize the human body much like we would a machine or a computer. And so they're into what's called performance psychedelics. And the idea is that if I take a small dose, perhaps – for example, a one-tenth dose of a normal party dose of LSD, which I'm not sure exactly what a party dose is, but one-tenth of that would not send me over the edge like a full dose would. But if I'm in at work, I can take this and it will enhance my performance. So it's much like you know, kids who have not been prescribed some of the ADD drugs like Adderall or Concerta or Ritalin, whatever, who are t taking those things in an effort as they're in school to get ahead or doing it at work. More and more young people are doing this. But trying to increase my ability to a do a lot more in less time. And so this is a trend right now to be aware of. And lots of people are starting to write about this. I found amazingly more than I thought would be out there on this. And I think we need to slow down. We need to see this as a danger of altering the goodness of God's design. It's not a corrective like some medications are, but rather 
an effort to do some enhancement. And that's troubling. That's really troubling. So we're seeing it now among young adults in the workforce. It's going to trickle down into, I'm sure, the high schools and the middle schools as word spreads about this. Excellent. Well, one of the oh, – uh, wow. Wow, t- under two yeah. minutes. Yeah. Somehow I feel like Chris and, and uh, Kenton were actually just allowing you to, to go until you're finished. They would never do I, I that. I can see the conversation they would never having taken place. do that. No, that's I, – I, I actually counted it was a little bit more than two minutes, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Tinder just recently introduced a dating virtual reality headset. Now, this isn't something that you can just go out and pick up. It was something that they released at a, a convention that just recently happened, and it was kind of a, a joke. But the whole idea of Tinder is to get people together to have real experiences in the world, real world. And uh, if you're familiar, it's an app that you can go on and swipe right, swipe left, swipe left. You you actually can learn uh, about others around your area. We've had multiple conversations around this. I, I just bring this up for one very specific uh, reason. I think that we are moving into a new era around the issues of dating, and I think that we have to have really honest conversations around dating. We've got to establish values in our home, and we also have to establish values, I think, in our own church youth group around the issues of dating, because uh, things like Tinder are not going to be going away anytime soon. The influence that these uh, apps have are continuing to grow, and so we need to be aware of them, know the influence, but I also think that we've got to be talking honestly around relationships, specifically romantic relationships. How do we go about pursuing them? I know that from church to home, there's a lot of different values, but I think that if we can partner on these, we can be uh, established in consistency around what we believe. I think it can actually have a huge impact then on how we go about speaking about the value of of others, uh, relationships that are romantic, kind of building a boundary around that. What does that look like? Because there is a lot that's happening. I see this in college campuses. We're going to talk today about colleges. And what we see is there is a difference uh, between a secular campus and a Christian campus. But the issue of dating is one that is rapidly changing and is really missing because there's no conversations around it. They're going into relationships not really knowing what to do. And so apps like this is helping individuals step into relationships. But I sometimes wonder if it's helping them step into relationships that are not always the most healthy or the most biblical. So I I just bring this up because I think it's an important one for us to be aware of because trends are changing and we can have an opportunity to change those trends. That bell rang pretty quick, didn't it? Did you feel like that rang too fast? Yeah, that was good. I saw you speeding up there at the end. That was good though. Well, Well, thanks for sharing that. Okay. See, I'm wasting more of my time because I'm going to fit this in. But this one is, you know, this. you talk about college campuses and the whole politically correct movement and some of the stuff that's happening on campuses regarding what we can say, what we can't say, what's trigger warnings, what is, you know, demeaning to people. So the British Medical Association has issued some advice. It's, It's a guideline in their official guidelines. This is not law. But they issued it to the 160,000 physicians that are members who work in their hospitals over there in the UK and are general practitioners. Here's what the advice is. It's a directive. They are being told, doctors are being told, to not call pregnant women mothers. They can't use the word mothers over fears that they might offend transgender people. So that's that's advice they've issued in their guidelines. And it has been, they've been told they should call the, in their language, mums-to-be, pregnant people instead of expectant mothers. So that really is an interesting development. And, you know, look, as followers of Jesus, we have to be careful about the language that we use. We have to love people. We have to respect people. But at some point, where do we draw the line when lines that are being crossed it just maybe shouldn't be crossed. And I I think we're becoming too concerned. And I I read an interesting article, Jason. I'll just leave it at this because I know this could cause a lot of debate. And and so it should because we need to talk through these things. But I read an article in First Things magazine just recently that was written by a fellow named Peter Hitchens. He wrote an article called The Fantasy of Addiction, where he challenges the language of addiction and the way that we understand addiction. And I thought it was a very good article. One of my friends, Duffy Robbins, made me aware of it. And in there, he said, basically, you know, there is a great liberation that comes 
when against the spirit of the age, one blurts out one, what one knows to be true. And so just keep that in mind as we talk about some of these difficult issues that as Christians were called to be prophetic we don't, we, we, and to not conform to the world. It's a good word. I, I think that the response that we have is multiple, but I think being able to be aware of these things is needed. Uh, well, I, I'm going to switch just a little bit. Uh, you brought up the issue of sexuality. Uh, I'm going to just move right into another issue that we talk about a lot here on the podcast with regards to pornography. And uh, you're familiar with Metallica, right? Well, Oh, yeah. I used to show the video uh, Inner Sandman all the time. That was a good one, yeah. a good one that we would deconstruct with youth workers yeah. and parents long well, time um, ago. James he- yeah, James Hetfield, the, the the lead singer for Metallica, actually just narrated a documentary about the impact of pornography addiction. And I just think that we have more and more individuals that are starting to step out and have a conversation about its impact, pornography's impact. And I, I just uh, applaud individuals that are having this conversation. Again, we've talked about uh, celebrity and, and how it's used. And, and when it's used, I, I, I want to be really careful that we don't uh, look at the celebrity, but we look at what's being said. And what's being said around the issue of pornography is really important to be heard. It's having an impact on the brain, on the community, on society. These are things that that, uh, that we know about pornography through research and through other data collection. And so it's really exciting when we have individuals that are using their celebrity to raise awareness of the impact that this is having. And so we can use things like this to be able to speak truth to our sons and our daughters, to our youth and our youth group. And so take opportunities because there is a growing number of individuals and a great deal of research that shows the impact that pornography is having. Good, good. Well, lastly, that's good. That's right. And I made up for all the time that I had. There you go. Well, uh, one last last little bit of uh, information to pass on. It relates to our Digital Kids Initiative that relates to a lot of the conversations I've had with moms and dads about cell phones. There seems to be a growing amount of uh, traffic on the internet where people are asking questions, hey, at what age should I get a cell phone? You know, it used to be, this, or get, get, let my child get a cell phone. It used to be that it was the 15 and 16 year old high school kids who were coming home and saying, hey, I'm the last kid in the school, you know, or the world or the universe to not have a cell phone at my age, the last 16 year old, last 15 year old, now we're down to seven and eight years old, and so we've got moms and dads. Typically, it's the moms of the elementary school kids who will ask us about this, and just in the last week, I've had the mom of an eight-year-old ask me. I've had the mom of a 10-year-old ask me, and there really is no strict answer on this, and obviously, we have to be looking at the need to train our kids to deal with the digital tools that they will have and they will enlist for the rest of their lives. We want them to think critically and Christianly and use them critically and Christianly in ways that bring honor and glory to God and not to the kingdoms of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But I'm just going to throw this out that some of the advice that's coming out right now is, and I think it's good advice, that you should look at what the purpose of the cell phone is for that child. In other words, if you just want it to be a safety device, you're going to have very limited access, which I think is extremely wise for young kids who can't manage these things themselves in a day and age filled with predators. We've talked about sexting, uh, just way too much vulnerability there. I think we need to look at the safety considerations as well. There's some bleed over from what we just talked about there with predators and things like that. And then the behavioral considerations. At what age can a young person really be responsible? So if you're going to put it in the hands of an 8, 9, or a 10-year-old, you better have your hands on it as well and put up some big borders, boundaries, and parameters. Well, that said, and by the way, just to remind everybody, if you go to our homepage, cpyu.org, look for the podcast page, Youth Culture Matters, there. You will find there links to all the articles we've talked about here and everything that's going to be mentioned after we come back from the break. We're going to have a conversation with Sherry Nee, who is a person who has done some great work in the area of helping high school students, Christian high school students, transition to college and continue to pursue and grow in their faith. We'll talk to her when we come back after this break. Stay with us. In an effort to help you help the kids you know and love navigate the difficult landscape of the emerging digital frontier to the glory of God, 
We've launched a digital kids initiative here at CPYU. Thanks to a generous grant from a company called DAS, you can access our digital kids initiative and a growing number of free resources and downloads by visiting the website at digitalkidsinitiative.com. This is one more way that we're helping you lead your kids to live lives where their faith in God is integrated into the growing amount of time they're spending with social media and technology. Welcome back to Youth Culture Matters here with Walt Mueller, and we have today's guest, Sherry Nee. Sherry uh, has started a wonderful uh, resource called College Church Connection. She's done it uh, in tandem with other individuals, uh, and we'll get to talk a little bit about this because it's a wonderful resource, especially uh, if you're uh, new to the podcast and unfamiliar with CPYU. CPYU has the College Transition Initiative, uh, and so this really aligns itself well with the mission of that. Uh, Sherry has uh, uh, now been doing this for a couple of years. I actually met her when I was in Portland. Uh, she's been a resident of Portland for 25 years. It's a beautiful city. She's in the Pacific Northwest, Walt, which is always a beautiful thing. We need to get more people out here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, she has three kids, and she uh, actually uh, has a master's in journalism, was at one time a reporter, which is, I think lent itself really well uh, to working with a college church connection. So Sherry, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We're really excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Well, I think one of the best places for us to start, really, is to dive into some of this conversation around the college-church connection. So so can you just explain a little bit about what the college-church connection is, how it started, uh, and what its purpose is? Sure. Um, it's pretty simple. We just do one thing, and that is we connect graduating high school seniors with campus ministries and churches when they go away to college. We're just trying to help bridge that gap. And um, it started uh, for a few reasons. One is myself and my friend Jennifer Pelling, who lives in San Diego, we've both volunteered in youth ministry for about a dozen years. And we kept seeing students we knew who were in high school, very active in their faith. They might even be volunteering in the middle school ministry, bringing their friends to church. When they went off to college, um, they really walked away from their faith. And it wasn't intentional. It was unintentional. It wasn't as if they said, I can't wait to get away from my family because I want to quit going to church. Um, it just slowly happened. And then we started reading books, and, and one of them, um, we read Sticky Faith, which was very influential, and then we read The Slow Fade by Chuck Bomar, and that kind of did it for us. When we read that book, and we heard about the statistics out, you know, 65 to 80% of kids walking away from their faith, um, we decided, you know, we need to do something. Even if it's a small little piece of this puzzle, what can we do? So we started interviewing um, youth pastors at churches that we knew. We started talking to campus ministry leaders, just asking the question, if we could do one thing, just one small piece of this, what would it be? And um, it really seemed like youth pastors have this incredible desire to research these colleges for their students. They want their students to be connected, but they just simply don't have the time to do it. And um, say a youth pastor here in Portland, who if all of his or her students were going to a local college, you know, they would have contacts there and the youth pastor could connect them. It'd be a, a piece of cake. But if the students are going out of town or to Denver or to um, Alaska or to Vermont, they don't have contacts there. And that, that takes about four or five hours to research a campus and kind of figure out what campus ministries are present, which ones are thriving, which ones are dying, what are the local churches that really care for students. So we decided we're going to pick up that one little piece, we're going to do the research, and then connect these students. So that's kind of what we do. We, we give students the contacts, the Christian contacts in that college town. We give them cell phone numbers and names and email addresses and very detailed descriptions of what is available. And then we actually connect the students with the leaders and connect the leaders with the students. So um, what happens with most of the students we help is they actually make those connections over the summer. So when they land on the college campus, they already have a community. So that um, wow. I looked at the website, which is really well done, and it really is uh, simple and easy to yes. navigate. That's, that's, the, um, that's the tool that makes a connection, right? A, a student can mm -hmm. get in there, a youth pastor can get in there, a parent can get in there. Talk a little bit about how that works. 
Yes, it's very simple. There's a survey. Um, students get in, they fill out a survey, they kind of tell us their church background, what they're looking to find, and where they're going to college. And then we match them with what we know. We have a huge network, 15, more than 1,500 Christian contacts across the country, and we kind of match them with what we think would be a good fit. And then we send them a very manageable list of like four or five campus ministries, four or five churches, and then we connect them with those folks, and we connect those folks with them. Um, and it's, I mean, I think the, the value in what we do is really narrowing the fields, because instead of giving them a big searchable database, we really narrow the field. Like, we have students who go to UC Berkeley. Well, there's there's over 40 um, Christian campus ministries at UC Berkeley, and as you can imagine, they run the gamut from um, ones that are more like a, a dinner club where they may or may not even pray all the way to, um, a group where you have, to, it's very restrictive and you have to get, uh, the, the leader permission if you want to date somebody. So, you know, it's just, there's no way a student can explore 40 groups. It would take them all four years. Does the, wow. and I'm just curious about this cause I haven't, I haven't gone in there, you know, and plugged anybody in, but does the, 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 I guess the curating of this or the matching of mm-hmm. students to campus ministries and churches, is that done individually? Do you wade through every one or is there some sort of mechanism in the website? I'm just curious as to how that works. You know, how do you... Yeah, that's a great question. That's exactly what I was wondering. We, we do it. And that's, that's where it's wow. time consuming. Um, but it's, it's very customized and it's, um, you know, once we know what a student is looking for, we know the school really well. And so we can say, well, this ministry is not going to work for you, but this one will. And we just put together kind of a customized list and send them that list. And we also send it to the youth pastor. Um, youth pastors find these lists very valuable because it helps them keep in touch with the student in the fall. Like in October, um, a youth pastor can can text one of their students and say, hey, did you did you try that that ministry called Arise? Did you like it? Remember, we talked about it. So it's a great way to kind of remind the student because it's very overwhelming when you get to college. There's so yeah. many exciting activities to do, and you're still trying to figure out your schedule of how much time you have to study and when you're going to sleep and all that. So I'm really impressed with so, the individualized nature of that. Can I just ask numbers-wise, like last summer, how many mm-hmm. students did you match with ministries and churches? Um, a little bit over 200. Hmm. So we're not huge, but... We're growing. Um, every year we're kind of doubling what we do, and we expect to do you know, over 400 this year. Um, it gets easier and easier because our network is growing and our database is growing. And once people on these college campuses know us and they know us well, you know, they update the information for us. I mean, they call us and tell us when things have changed. So it's getting easier and easier to, you know, and, and once you have like 12 students going to a university, you know the university really well. Hmm. Oh, that's great. So, uh, just a point of clarification. Um, so mm-hmm. when you connect, uh, so you send a list to the student. Mm-hmm. When, are, are you sending then a list to their youth pastor? Um, well, it sounds like that you're sending it to the youth pastor, but are you also sending it to the, the ministry directors for each of the 12 that you recommended? Um, it sounds like, based upon your last statement, what happens is the student gets it, and then their youth pastor uh, or mentor in the city that they have lived gets it. Is that mm-hmm. is that the? Am I understanding yes, that correctly? It, they get it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. So then we contract so with really, churches, so it's really through our relationship with churches, and we also work with great. Christian high schools, mm-hmm. guidance counselors at Christian high schools. So it sounds like what what you're doing is you're helping the student uh, find new roots in the community they're moving to, while also continue continuing to establish uh, or even go deeper with the roots that they had when they were in high school with a youth pastor or mentor that was in their city that they had grown up in. Yes, yes, we're helping them connect to new Christian communities in college, um, and just by default, because we're in contact with their youth pastor and we're actually contracting with their home church. Um, from high school, we are helping that relationship. And youth pastors love us because we're doing the research for them that they don't have time to do. But we're also giving them information that, you know, that keeps keeps them in touch with their student because we're giving them, you know, talking points almost. We're giving them things to, to talk about with their student. And they, 
they want to keep in touch with their students. They don't want to lose touch with these students. They've, you know, really bonded with them over the years and then they're gone. Um, and most youth pastors, you know, are thinking long term. They don't think graduation or relationship ends. I mean, they think graduation and, and I want to keep in touch with you the rest of your life. So it's it's been helpful for both. Sherry, can I fun. ask can I ask a question about um, the college students that you work with mm-hmm. and the schools they go off to? Have you had enough um, experience with this to see any difference between those who head off to a non-sectarian school and those who head off to a Christian college? Because, you know, I'm guessing that the pressures are, we talk about this all the time, they're exactly the mm-hmm. same, and the ability and opportunity to fall out of fellowship is equal. Um, you know, you can do it just as easily on a Christian college campus as you can. I don't know, maybe it's even more easy. I mean, do you have any sense of that? Yes. Um just from what we've seen, kids going to a Christian college, they have ministry fairs, they have church fairs, they have carpools set up, they have Bible studies on each floor of every dorm. I almost feel like if you if you go to a Christian college and you, you lose your faith, it's kind of your own fault because it's, it's available. All those resources are out there. When you go to a large public school or a private college, those resources are not out there. And in some ways, they're kind of hidden, and you have to search for them. And when you search for them, you have to know what to look for. And you, you know, there's, there, there might be a ministry that's called grace, and, and you don't know if that's, if that's a solid ministry or not. So it takes a lot more work. And that's, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. It takes a lot more work to find those ministries. Um, if your question is about whether kids are keeping their faith, I think that if a student goes to a secular college or a public college and they find a solid Christian community, they their faith will actually grow in some ways because they're going to be forced to articulate their faith. They're going to be forced to figure out what they believe. They're going to be having a lot of questions from professors that they can take back to their Christian community. They're going to have to struggle with some doubts that that kids who are going to Christian colleges may not have to struggle with for years. So I think the opportunity um, is amazing to grow in your faith at both, but one is going to take more work to find that community. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I, you know, my, my fear is always because I went to a Christian college, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I grew up in a, in the Christian subculture that it's very easy to get very lazy and walk around with this unspoken assumption that just somehow there's this spiritual osmosis that's taking place because I'm in this culture. And when, in fact, you do very little work in terms of spiritual formation and growth, you don't seek that. You just think it's happening. And really, nothing positive can be happening. That's the reality. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I wondered, I just wondered if you had seen seen that tendency. Yes. Yeah. But then um, we're really focused on the helping the students who are having trouble finding Christian communities. And that's our goal is to kind of search those out for them. So we don't um, stay in touch so much with the students who are heading off to Christian colleges. But I, I agree with your statement. I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's based on how motivated the student is. Um, I think one of the most alarming things is just how much of a student's faith is, is kind of left to chance. I mean, um, you, you talk about these kids, and I've, I've experienced this with my own kid, but, you know, when, you, when a parent takes a child, a student, um, to college, they're so excited for the parent to leave the dorm room, right? I mean, they're like, let me set up my own room. Hey, it's been great. I, I had breakfast with you. It's time for you and dad to leave. Um, but the moment the parents leave, tends to be the, the loneliest moment um, of that student's life because all of a sudden they have to start over. They have to create a brand new community, and it's it's scary. And uh, what we've talked to a lot of students, and you know, if someone comes by their dorm room and says, hey, there's this amazing ultimate Frisbee tournament two blocks away at this church. Do you want to go with me? They will jump at the opportunity, and they will go, and they could get connected to a Christian community the next four years. But if someone comes by their dorm room and says, hey, there's a keg party two blocks away at this guy's house. Do you want to go? They'll jump at that opportunity because they're desperate to form community. And, you know, people on campus tell us again and again what students, how students spend their time, the choices they make the first couple weeks of college set the course for the next four years. So 
that, that's why it just seems so um, vital to us to make those connections with those Christian communities before they even land. You know what? I, you Do know you... what's got me thinking about, um, Jason? I'm reading, I haven't told you this yet, but I'm reading this book that was written in the 1650s um, by Thomas Brooks, a Puritan, and it's all about how the enemy works. It's about Satan's devices and, you know, how, how we get trapped. And one of the things I just read this morning is about the, the people we surround ourselves with. Yep. And, I, that's, and that's what you're saying, right? I mean, basically yep. the people we choose to surround ourselves with. And, it's, and he's so doggone eloquent, this guy, because he, he wrote, you know, 400 years ago. It's just so much better than the way we talk now and so much deeper, but it's, it's convincing. And what you're talking about here is exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Jason, mm-hmm. you were going to ask a question. Well, I, I think that uh, – well, I'm curious about the results. I'm curious about some of the things that you've seen uh, with this, but we're going to need to take a break. And so when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about what you've seen with some of the results – um, I, I'm also really interested in how many, real quick, because you're from Portland, uh, I'm sure that it's kind of birthed out of Portland and some of the schools in, in, in the Northwest, but how many different schools are you now connecting students in? Um, we have researched over 150 college campuses across the country, and they're definitely not all on the West Coast. Uh, and you know, we're looking to double that we're looking to grow. And so every time a student con like I just did a report last week on the university of North Carolina and we've been waiting to do North university of North Carolina. So I was excited that a student had requested information because that gave us the excuse we needed to research that school. So it's about 150 and growing. That's great. So if there's someone that's listening that has mm-hmm. students and they think this is a great resource, uh, they can connect with you, and you would love to do some of that research then? Yes, they just have to go to collegechurchconnection.org. It's really simple. And as always, love we'll it. include love that it. link. You know, everything we talk about we here, will. go to the podcast page at cpyu.org, and you'll find all that. We will. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, our favorite Take 5 will happen, and then we'll also dive back into some of the results and a few other uh, items around the College Church Connection We're here with Sherry Nee. We're going to take one break. We'll be right back with you. Here at CPYU, we're taking steps to help parents, youth workers, educators, and anyone else who cares about kids help the kids they know and love navigate the difficult issues of life. We've put together a one-day training seminar called Tackling the Tough Stuff that we can bring to your community. Over the course of the day, Mark Penner and I will provide information and practical steps you can take to address narcissism, pornography, self-injury, depression, suicide, and a variety of other tough issues kids face in today's world. To learn more about bringing Tackling the Tough Stuff to your church or community, go to cpyu.org backslash toughstuff or call us at 1-800-807-CPYU. Welcome back to Youth Culture Matters. Uh, we're going to do something here, Sherry, that we always enjoy doing, which is our Take 5. And uh, today we have Walt asking the question. So I'm going to hand it over to Walt. Walt, yes, yeah, do we, your Take and 5. Sherry, just to confirm, we've never met before. Correct. I don't know why I said that, but that's just like when you magician pulls somebody up on stage, they say that. Because you're a friend of Jason's. That's how you got on this Wait, podcast. are you going to do a magic trick right now? No, no. I was just, I don't know what I was, why I asked that. I just, go Okay. Ahead. Yeah. Right. Now, I wanted to give you an opportunity, Jason, to just make fun of me. So that's, that was it. All right, we good? Okay, well, there All right, go. so, so what yeah. we do is we're going to, I'm going to fire five questions at you. And, and it's, they're, they're very random, as Jason said, and it's just for people to get to know you. So uh, answer whatever comes to mind first. All right. Okay. So, and you okay. have to answer everyone. Are you nervous? A you little s- bit. Yeah, you sound nervous. People really do get <laughs> nervous with this. But Jason set it up like it's some sort of torture game or something. So, all right, here we go. <laughs> what is your favorite smell? Uh, probably lemon. Lemon verbena. Yeah. All right, I was with you on the lemon. I have no clue what verbena is. <laughs> what is that? You guys it's, it's know like what verbena is? Yeah. It's, it's a variation of lemon. It just smells clean and fresh. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, good. Pizza is also good. I like the smell of pizza. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. We're with you on that. Ooh, Kenton's good. shaking yeah. his head. Yes, we. Kenton's recently graduated from college, less than a year, and I would say what, Kenton? How many how many meals a week that you eat are pizza or pizza related? How many meals a week? Yeah. Well, now you just got married, so but let's say prior to marriage. One to two. Oh, I thought it was much. We used to bring pizza in here every lunch, it seemed. But. Uh, that's okay, that's right. true. Probably three. Okay. Back back whenever I worked at yeah. the pizza shop, it was probably yeah. four or five. We had to spray the place, Sherry, with lemon verbena after, <laughs> after he would bring his lunch back. Okay, here's number two. If you had – now, I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask. But let's go back to when you were 16 years old. Just, just rewind to 16. If you had okay. had an MP3 player when you were 16, at that time – what band would have been at the top of your playlist? Uh, probably like Duran Duran or something. I don't know. Uh, Squeeze. Okay. All right. Well, that tells us a little bit about you. Um, yeah. All, yeah those, all those British bands, you know, those 80s British bands. Yeah. I was into those. Yeah, those are yeah. awesome. It's probably good you got connected with a fellowship group when you went to college after that. Billy <laughs> um. <Really>, Idol. <laughs> All right. Here, here's number three. Uh, what is a condiment that you can't stand? You never put it on your food. Is there a condiment you oh, can't stand? Mm, probably mustard. I'm not a big fan of mustard. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, you're in good company there because I just listened to a podcast on NPR, an interview with Joe Buck. And uh, he told a story about when he was a kid, he couldn't stand mustard. And you just have to listen to the podcast to hear about it. It's actually a, it's kind of a sad story. So, all right. Did Joe Buck at all mention how how uh, disliked he is? No, but the interviewer asked him about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. because so, yeah. it seems like his uh, distaste in people's ears is growing. Oh yeah. By the year, yeah. it seems like I hear more. But he about... has quite a story. You need to hear a story. It's 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 somewhat I, heartbreaking I when you hear something. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah. All right, so so uh, I know you can't. Here's number four. I know you can't see Jason right now, but in your mind's right. eye, because Jason's a friend of yours, think about Jason for a moment. What okay. celebrity or famous person do you think he looks most like? Oh gosh. And if you're um, if you're having a problem, it doesn't have to be human. It could be you know <laughs> something. <laughs> do you like that question, Jason? No, no, I didn't think so. We we always there's a little bit of competition between us on our questions, so I'm just trying to come up with at least one every time I get to do this. That he's speechless. You're you're afraid to answer this, aren't you? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Okay, we'll think about it, and um, we'll actually when you have an answer, let us know. Okay. And we'll bring you back for a complete podcast. And she's we'll pulling up my Facebook page right now. She's trying right, to she's yeah. trying to yeah. remember exactly what it looked yeah. like to to give the most accurate answer. Right. She's got that like the Lord <laughs> of the Rings character website. So, all right, all right. Here's the last one. Let's okay. uh, just pets, cats, dogs, any other pets. Do you have any pets at all? What's your favorite? I think guinea pigs are the best pets okay. because they. They don't bite. They're not nocturnal. They don't smell. They're easy to pet. Perfect pet. Guinea pig. Okay. Awesome. That's good. Yep. I didn't, I thought maybe I said I, my question was cat, dog, or other pet, and why? And you jumped yeah. right into that, so that was good. That was excellent. Well, I love, I love dogs, too, but I'm just thinking, you know, low maintenance. Yeah. We're at that point in our house. It's just my, well, it's my wife and I and a 24-year-old son who live there, and our dog's getting old blind and deaf and um our, our, we, there's a cat i don't want to say it's our cat we inherited the cat from our daughter when she moved out so i know about that nocturnal thing quite annoying <laughs> yeah good mm -hmm. good well thanks for answering those sure. the only thing with the Lemon guinea pig verbena. the only Lemon. thing with the, the guinea pig is that's always the the one pet that somehow gets lost for a few days has that ever i, I don't know if sure you've ever had a guinea pig and if you have, I'm you know, just curious if you've right ever now. lost it. Yeah? Have they ever been lost for a yeah. couple of days? No, because we don't let them run free. And, and I oh, think okay. the, the, the pets that get lost are those little ones, like hamsters and gerbils, right? Guinea pigs are pretty big, and they're pretty slow. I know, but I've heard so many I stories of people lo like like guinea pigs getting away in, uh, you know, in a, in I've got this a, picture closets. Of 
Jason and Emily running through their neighborhood trying to find their guinea pig. <laughs> just as... Oh, man. Yeah, hey, I, I didn't get to hear the answer. I, I actually am now curious what, what Sherry thought of uh, number four, of what celebrity or what person or what she, animal does he look like? She avoided the answer. That's what, and I oh, gave no. her a pass. I know, now but now we, I, I kind of feel like, I, yeah. I can, can, we just, can I just say Brad Pitt and we'll move on? I don't know. I can't. Oh, well, then that's a total I, lie because even I know that that's I not true. Of, I don't believe uh, anything she said in this entire podcast now. <laughs> Yeah, my wife would even say that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> what I should have asked uh, was, okay. what character okay. from Dumb and Dumber does Jason most remind you of? That been... <laughs> uh, Which is Kenton's I, favorite movie, I learned this morning. Does that surprise true. you? Does that surprise you? No, that's, that's a great... I'm movie. so happy that, that yeah. someone of his age actually loves that movie. Good for you. Kenton, for someone that doesn't understand a lot about pop culture, you actually enjoy one of the better all-time comedies i love so good for you all right we're bringing it back oh. we're bringing it back here all right let's talk to all Sherry. right this yeah let's do well you two guys talking about <laughs> dumb and dumber could be forever all right well uh coming back to what we were talking about right before the break sherry i i am curious some of the results because i'm, I'm sure that there are some stories results things that you could you could share with regards to the success of the college church connection could you give mm -hmm. us a few of those Sure. I have, um, the latest group of students that we helped last summer, 89% of them um, reported that they found a campus ministry or a church that they love, and they committed to one or one of each um, during their first semester. And that's, that's what we track. Um, we think the first semester is the most important. So, you know, we don't, um, we don't focus more on where are you three years in. We're really focused on did you connect right away? Because um, the students who connect right away stay connected right away. I mean, they stay connected long term. So, 89%, and that that to us is is huge. I mean, that's almost 90% of the students. And when you look at the the fact that uh, 65 to 80%, according to you know Chuck Bomar's book, The Slow Fade, 65 to 80% are walking away from their faith. Um, and you compare that to 89% getting plugged in to a campus ministry or church they love. That's it's very satisfying. It's it's very exciting, um, and I could tell you, you know, a hundred stories of di just different kids. We hear back from so many students. Um, we received a letter, an email, a couple of weeks ago from a student who was moved from Seattle to um, the University of Oklahoma, and she knew nobody on campus. And she sent us a an email saying, "I tried the first church on the list, and I just want to let you know I broke down in tears." I felt so loved at this church, and I sat next to a freshman. She's also an architect major, just like me, and I feel like I found my home. I mean, we get letters like that all the time. We got an email from a kid that went to Gonzaga, and um, we told him about a, a middle-of-the-week worship service there called Thirst, and he got involved with the worship band. He said, my first semester would have been so much harder and so much longer had I not found this group. And, you know, there's... Some of these kids, they never would have found these these ministries if we hadn't kind of found them for them and directed them to them. So it's it's really satisfying to do this work. It's really exciting. Can I ask a question about uh, youth workers and parents? Because now you're you're making mm -hmm. the matches, but what can? Because we do, I do a lot of work with youth workers and parents. What can youth workers and parents do? to prepare their kids for this before they connect with you on the College Church Connection website? You know, what are some best best practices? And you can think of it one of two ways. What are they doing that they're doing well? Or where do you see, um, where do you see some voids? Where do you see some needs for improvement where they're not doing a good job? Mm -hmm. I think the number one thing that parents can do is when you take your students on these college visits, visit a local church, visit a campus ministry. If you go on a weekend, you know, to visit the college, go to church there. Find out where students are going to church and check out a couple churches. Um, you could go to a morning service and an evening service and check out two different churches in one day. And if you go during the week, you know, find out who the campus ministries are and go visit those large group meetings or even a small group meeting. The campus ministries absolutely love it when prospective students contact them and say, hey, I want to see what your large group worship service is like. Can I come? They absolutely love that. So 
there's there's no reason to think about campus ministries and churches after you've been accepted and after you arrive on campus and after you unpack. This is something that people should be thinking about as they make their college decision, and, and it should be integrated into the college visits. It's, it's that important to me, and I, I think it's, it's, it should be that important. It makes such a huge difference. So that's, the, that's my number one recommendation for parents. I think for youth pastors, um, youth pastors need to make contacts with the campus ministry leaders and the churches in the college towns nearby, because that's where a lot of their students are gonna go. And they should be on a first name basis with those people. And um, if they have the time, I mean, what we do is not rocket science. If they, if youth pastors have the time, they can do this research for their students. And if they don't, or they're going out of state, um, you know, obviously have your church contract with us because we'd love to help. But th- those are my two top recommendations. Jerry, do you have a, a, a template? Because obviously, there, there is a limit to how many schools, how many individuals that you can work with. Um, is there a template for the individual that uh, might want to do something like what you're doing? And they, if you're a, they're a youth pastor and they've got three students that are going off to a college two hours away that, that maybe hasn't been researched yet that they could do and maybe even then add into your network? Is that even something that, that's uh, available or uh, is possible? Um... I, I'd be glad to send them some quick instructions on how to do what we do. Um, we have a bunch of, uh, it's not just me that does this. I mean, it's, it's myself. Yeah. I co-direct this with somebody named Jennifer Pelling, and then, um, who's a good friend of mine. And then we have three other people who do research for us. And we're always looking to hire additional researchers as the, the workload grows, especially in the spring. We can hire people seasonally to help us with this, and we kind of train them in how to do this. Um, I hope that answers your question. People can contact me, and I can tell them. I mean, it's pretty simple. You you, you do a lot of online searches, um, but it, it it takes the time it takes is, is finding out whether the campus ministries listed are still around, um, there's a lot of websites that are old that are out there, how active they are, how big the group is, where those students are going to churches, what churches in the community love and, and serve college students. What, what we're finding is a lot of students will get to a college and they will try the three or four churches that are the closest to that college. And many times those churches are kind of um, dying churches. They're with a crowd of older people and they don't really welcome college students because they see college students as not sticking around and not tithing. So they're not very welcoming. So the student will get discouraged. But if the student only knew that there are some carpools to some suburban churches that have really vibrant um, college ministries. I mean, we found churches that have adopt-a-student programs that match students with kind of their family away from home in the church. And those families mentor them. I mean, we've heard of families um, helping students with laundries and care packages during finals weeks and helping them balance their checkbooks. I mean, there's churches that are just doing amazing things to reach out and serve college students. And, and the college students, in turn, they really bring life to a church, and they, and they volunteer their time. They may not tithe a lot, but they, they, they volunteer in youth ministry. They volunteer in the music ministry. So it's it's really a win-win for the student and for the, the church that's receiving them. So it, it, it just takes some time to, to find those churches, and you need to interview a lot of people to kind of find out where are students going and, and what what churches really seek to serve students and what churches are, are not excited about students. Have you found a good spirit of cooperation with the chaplain's offices on campus? Uh, that... That depends on the school. Um, there are some schools that have chaplains that um, their attitude is, we don't organize retreats. Our goal is, is, is not to organize anything. But if students come to us, we'll be glad to help them out. And then there are some chaplains who are very involved um, and are very welcoming and office, offer office space to all the campus ministries. There's a, um, a group of schools that have Christian study centers, and I don't know if you're familiar with those, but those are just incredible. It's, it's when a local church or a local donor purchases a house or some sort of building on a college campus, and they offer office space and meeting space, small group space, to all the different campus ministries, 
and they often have a you know a real study center which is kind of like a library where christian students can come and meet each other and get free coffee all hours of the day and um and they also bring in um resources they bring in guest speakers to kind of engage the professors on that campus so that's i i see more of the christian study center model working more than i do see the um like a chaplain's office per se but but the you know the cooperation among campus ministries is incredible i mean there are several schools where the campus ministry leaders from all the different ministries meet together every wednesday morning for breakfast and they pray together for their campus and they actually um kind of swap students like one person might say hey i'm with this campus ministry and I have this student that really needs to um, delve deeper into their faith, and, and we're more of an outreach ministry, and so I want to pass him along to you, you know, and you might pass along a student to me who's really a baby Christian and, and needs a different kind of mentoring. So it's, uh, I love that. That's been wonderful to watch that happen. Yeah, I'll just throw in that my experience has been that many times uh, the chaplain's offices, this is, this is somewhat negative, but many times they would take the approach, you know, this is this is a, I'm in charge of spiritual growth and development on campus. However, they would define that, so they would be fairly parochial and territorial. And then the other thing is that parents and youth workers need to be aware that many times the chaplain's offices on a campus are not really orthodox theologically in their understanding mm-hmm. or gospel-centered. So, you know, mm-hmm. you need to you I, just as you talk about churches and being mm-hmm. discerning as it as it relates to churches you need to do the same thing with a chaplain's office exactly yeah and a lot of the chaplain's offices are really more focused on interfaith dialogue so they'll have a, a group meeting with all the different faiths um you know there'll be the muslim group and the jewish group and the christian group and it's all about learning more about each other and that's really really valuable but um Christian students need to find a Christian ministry. They need to find a Christian community. They need somewhere where they can discuss their doubts, where they can grow in their faith, when they can ar- learn to articulate their faith. So that's that's really a separate thing from the chaplain's office. You, mm. you cannot, I agree with you, you cannot depend, you can't say, oh, my university has a chaplain's office, so I'll, I'm all set. You know, I'm going to grow in my faith. Yeah. Chaplain's offices, to me, are really more about multi-faith dialogues. We've this has been really good, and we've we've hit the end of the time. But I wonder if you'd do us a favor with this. I'm gonna I, I want to ask you to give us three sentences, um, kind of a closing sentence: one to graduating seniors, one to parents of graduating seniors, and one to youth workers. You know, just a sentence of challenge to each. I don't know if you if that's if you can customize your sentences for each of those three audiences. I'm curious if you can. Give us something on that. Sure. Um, If I was talking to a senior right now, they've pretty much narrowed down their field of what they're looking to. Um, I would say start investigating which of the two schools you're looking at has a stronger Christian campus ministry. I mean, if you're choosing between MIT and Dartmouth, Dartmouth has amazing resources for Christians. They have great Christian communities. Um, don't, don't think about this after you've made your decision. I mean, it's, it's good to think about it after you've made your decision, but if you're still deciding between two schools, figure out which one has more opportunities for Christian, finding Christian communities. Cause it's, there's, there's big differences between schools. Um, in terms of parents, I would say, you know, make your last minute college visits, um, include campus ministry visits and some exploration of the local churches in town. I think that's got to be a part of what you do when you organize a college visit for your students. And for youth pastors, just encourage you to um, help students find out about what they're heading into. Help them with this transition. Start talking about this transition if you are not talking about the transition. And there are a ton of great resources. As I said, College Church Connection is just helping with one little piece of this whole puzzle. But there are groups like grad guides from crew, a guy named Ben Burns, who's a friend of mine. He does amazing um, seminars, free resources for parents. There's um, Sticky Faith is an amazing book by Kara Powell. That's a great book for youth pastors if they haven't read it. It's all about the college transition. I mean, with you guys, there's um, the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. You guys have a ton of resources. There's the Youth Transition Network. I mean, there's 
there's there's so much out there on this topic um, that that youth pastors can take advantage of just to help them better prepare their students for this transition. Yeah. And um, it's I, such a vital time. I, I really appreciate that your first illustration there and talking to the students, you mentioned uh, Dartmouth and MIT, because those, <laughs> yeah. were, those were both the one and two schools for both me and Jason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are just two that came to my mind. I yeah. mean, it's, I, it's, it's MIT. I always uh, thought it was called MIT. I didn't realize it was MIT. I man, you learn something all the time. That's awesome. <laughs> Those two oh, weren't on my great. radar at all. So that was yeah, that's good. Well, even if that's if you're good. deciding between two community colleges, I mean, look and see because one community college could have a great campus ministry and and one may not. I mean, there's a there's a community college here in Oregon that I just um, love. There is a retired missionary who takes PE classes at this college um, specifically just to meet students and to talk to them about Christ. I mean, there, there are just um, wonderful people out there working in campus ministry. You just have to find them. That's excellent. Yeah, wow. Boy, that, you know what? I, can I, can I just say something about community yeah. colleges? Cause I'm glad she mentioned that a growing number of students are doing their first two years at community yes, colleges smart. and the community college education is not only affordable, but the 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 academic reputation of such is getting better and better mm-hmm. and better, and yes, more and more four-year colleges are are esta- private schools mm-hmm. are establishing relationships with those community colleges and accepting all the credits. So, in light of the expense and stewardship responsibilities that we have as followers of Jesus, it's a, it's a great option. So it's oh, nice yeah. to know it's, it's nice to know campus ministries are not forgetting the community they're college. Not. Yeah. No, they're not. They're not. And it's a great Excellent. way for well, students to, to save a lot of money, too. Wow. Well, thank you, Sherry, so much for just the opportunity to hear about this great resource. Again, um, it's collegechurchconnection.org. Is that correct? That's correct. Excellent. And on that, um, uh, there's a great uh, page for resources. Is that is that correct? Um, I have the I have the resources that I just mentioned, and I'll I'll send them to you. Um, they're I mean just the different um, campus ministry groups and the um, the the organizations that are similar to what we do, but a lot more. They offer seminars and and books for parents and all of that. Excellent. I can send you those links. Mm-hmm. Great, and we'll put that up uh, with our podcast. So. Well, Sherry, this has been really informative. We're really grateful for your time and for this resource. And I know that many of our listeners will probably be checking it out uh, here very soon. So, uh, again, thanks for your time. Uh, thank you for listening sure. and plugging into uh, this episode of Youth Culture Matters. We look forward to being with everyone again here shortly. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.